bringing out the big guns to turn out the vote. Well, hello, Georgia. I am here to ask you to vote. Welcome to Politically Georgia from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, the podcast we want you to depend on for the most on-the-ground coverage of the 2022 election. I'm Greg Bluestein. And I'm Patricia Murphy, and we are two of your political insiders here at the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. If it's your first time listening to us on the podcast, welcome, and be sure to follow us on Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. Well, Patricia, we've been talking to each other a lot lately. <laughs> this is so much. Greg, it's been like an hour. <laughs> yeah, we, we've had not only do we have the jolt together and all sorts of other stories and Slack channels and messaging, but we've also had a number of special episodes of the Political Georgia podcast. But we, we wanted to also keep to our normal schedule because there is so much to talk about. This is crunch time and we're less than a week away from the election. And of course, we also just celebrated Halloween. So we're, we're, we're going over a couple different types of hangovers right now, candy hangovers and election-related coverage hangovers. But I know your neighborhood was packed. My kids went as, um, one went as an M&M with a bunch of her friends. Another one went as a, a Starbucks drink. And <laughs> mine are 8 and 11. It was cool because it was one of the first years I didn't have to kind of like, I was a, walked around with them, but I spent a lot more time hanging out with neighbors and chatting with folks than I did minding my own children for the first time ever. I know we had the same thing, but I miss those. I mean, I miss those days. We'd like pull them around in a red wagon. So cute. But, um, you know, I think they probably are having more fun now because they're out with their pals running around. Same with us. We're walking around. We had a little like candy station at our mailbox from the old COVID days. Nice. And just talked to tons of people. It was so much fun. Um, but now, you know, now we're back to reality. But I will say the the confluence of Halloween um, two birthdays in our house and election days. Um, it's it's, uh, it's uh, mentally and emotionally taxing. But yeah. <laughs> I think the election might be the big kahuna right now. So not only do we have, you have all your family events, we have Halloween, we have the birthday. We also have a huge, enormous Georgia football game on Saturday. The most important game in Sanford Stadium history, number one versus number two, Georgia versus Tennessee, college game day is going to be there. The campaigns will be there too. So, so will I. I'll be going to that game on Saturday and covering uh, Herschel Walker, at least. We know he's having an event in Athens. So a lot of big things coming up to cover. But coming up on today's episode, we're going to talk about what's already happened and what is happening. President Obama stumped for the Democrats. Mike Pence stumping for Governor Kemp. Herschel Walker's second accuser speaks out. And Joe Biden isn't the only big name skipping out on the Georgia campaign trail. This is Politically Georgia from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show streaming now on AJC.com. 
Okay, Patricia, a few days ago, we saw the biggest name yet come to the Georgia campaign trail. That was former President Barack Obama. And we say biggest name yet because President Biden, President Trump, neither of them have ventured down, um, at least during the general election cycle, to pump up either of the campaigns. But as we mentioned on the podcast before, uh, former President Barack Obama, he's sort of safe harbor for a lot of these Democrats who don't want to campaign necessarily with Joe Biden, whose approval ratings are just 37% in Georgia. Um, Obama is still very popular with the base, and he can still deliver some one-liners. Absolutely. yeah, And you know, Barack Obama is somebody who reminds Georgia Democrats why they're Democrats. They love him. And I think he also reminds some voters of why Democrats are a party that they voted for in the past. Although Barack Obama lost Georgia twice in a row, you know, it's not like he knows how to win the state statewide. But he is so good at connecting issues with policies with Democrats achievements over the last two years. He's able to do that in a way that doesn't sound braggy. He makes it sound almost like a moral imperative and really makes the case that Democrats are on the side of working Georgians, average Georgians, voters who should be coming out to the polls and supporting them on any number of economic issues. I think the way he makes the economic case is just so much more effective than we hear some other Democrats trying to make it, even for the for themselves. So he's great on policy, but he's really mostly great on emotion and on motivation, on getting these voters to remember why they're Democrats and remember to go and get to the polls early. And that was absolutely his message when he was in College Park over the weekend. Yeah. And I saw this uh, really good tweet from Jonathan Martin, the former New York Times future, I guess he's going to political reporter, who, who said that Obama also plays this other sort of role, that he is, you know, rather than the sort of how dare you, sir, outrage a lot of Democrats have for, you know, Republican narratives, Republican arguments, he can deliver these sort of deadpan takedowns, unlike any other senior Democratic figure. Here's one of them that we, we heard President Obama deliver involving Herschel Walker. Who will fight to keep you and your family safe? The Republican politicians who want to flood our streets with more guns? Who actually voted against more resources for our police departments? Is it somebody who carries around a phony badge and says he's in law enforcement? <laughs> and that is just one of many, many zingers he aimed at Herschel Walker. Of course, he's talking about the honorary badge that Herschel Walker displayed that we've written about a plenty and that he displayed at the, the sole debate with Senator Warnock. Um, but Patricia, you know, that's a role he played in 2018 on the campaign trail too, and as well as 2020. And he was here for Stacey Abrams in 2018. He was here in Georgia for the Democratic candidates in 2020. But he made the case over and over again that basically, hey, Herschel Walker was a great football player. But that doesn't qualify him to be a U.S. senator. And one of the things he went further and said was that if he had done anything in public service since the football playing days, it would be a different story. But in Obama's view, and this was to the great cheers of Democrats, he hasn't. He said he hasn't worked in public service. He hasn't worked uh, to help the civic good. And now he wants to be your next U.S. senator over Raphael Warnock. Yeah, Obama has this incredible oratorical skill in that he can deliver really lancing blows, but with a very light touch. It doesn't feel mean. It just feels true. 
you know, and he also has told his fellow Democrats kind of the same advice to kind of keep it light. Don't be, he literally said, don't be such a buzzkill when he was on a podcast recently with some of his former staff members. Like, don't make people feel so bad all the time. Just give them a path forward and make them feel like part of the solution and not part of the problem, which I think sometimes Democrats uh, err on the side of that. And so in this way, he is also, though, able to talk about Herschel Walker in a way that when Raphael Warnock does it, both because Warnock is a pastor and he's also on the ticket and it is obviously in his best interest to make this argument. Warnock is a little bit hemmed in, it feels like, in the things that he can say about Walker. But Obama can say whatever he wants. He does it, and then he also kind of gets the audience in on it. And they are kind of all hooting and hollering and laughing along and feeling like it's true, but they're happy to be there. They want to hear the message. He's just he's just a really, and he was this way when I covered him in his 2008 and 2012 campaigns. He's People just love being in an audience when he is talking. And so it is so valuable. And so if he can also deliver messages that are valuable for the Democratic ticket to be delivered at the same time, that is just absolute gold. Joe Biden does not have that skill set at all. Joe Biden also, as the sitting president, has extremely low approval numbers right now. So Barack Obama is the very best that Democrats could hope for. He's the absolute best campaigner that they've got on their team. And so for him to come down um, as a part of it, he did a uh, nationwide campaign swing, but for him to come to Georgia also shows that Democrats really recognize that this is a place where they need to use some of their very best talent, very best resources. And so that's what Barack Obama was doing here. So not to be outdone, Republicans have their own counterweight, I guess, to Obama. Mike Pence. We saw former Vice President Mike Pence come down to Georgia right before the May 24th Republican primary. And this was a huge moment in the campaign because it was his first significant, his biggest break, I should say, with uh, his political patron, Donald Trump, where he came out and endorsed Governor Kemp. Of course, Trump was backing David Perdue. Kemp prevailed in that race by about 52 points, so it was not remotely close Well, now Governor Kemp is calling in those allies, uh, Mike Pence, in the final week of the campaign. It's an honor to be back in Georgia, uh, just uh, six and a half days away from when I know the people of Georgia are going to reelect Governor Brian Kemp for four more years. So Pence is targeting Gainesville, the Atlanta exurbs. He's doing other work to help Governor Kemp. And Pence is not the only figure who is on sort of the other I don't know how you how you describe them. They're mainstream Republicans. They're in the sort of they're not anti-Trump necessarily. They're just not in the Trump lane right now. You you probably won't hear Mike Pence say many bad words about Donald Trump, and neither will you hear Brian Kemp say any bad words about Donald Trump. But he and some other um, Republicans who have incurred Trump's wrath, who are on his bad side, are coming to Georgia to campaign. We're going to see Chris Christie. We're going to see. Doug Ducey, the Arizona governor, we're going to see some other Republican figures who represent that sort of path forward without Donald Trump. And of course, Kemp has to be at the center of that argument because Kemp has already shown he can handily defeat Trump-backed challenger in David Perdue. And now he's looking to beat one of the biggest names in the Democratic world, which is Stacey Abrams. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the other thing that those gentlemen all have in common with Brian Kemp is they were not in the Mar-a-Lago crowd pushing those election lies. In fact, in each in their own way, stood up for the elections in their own states. Chris Christie just spoke out and said this election was not stolen. And to say otherwise is not accurate. That obviously 
drew the unbelievable ire of Donald Trump from all of these people. But none of them at the same time, as you said, has really, they're not the anti-Trump. They're not never Trumpers. I think they're looking for their own way forward in this political climate and in this Republican Party to create sort of a standalone brand. You're not anti-Trump, you're not MAGA, but you are conservative. You have policies that you know are broadly appreciated within the GOP and even have some crossover appeal at this point. And so I think it says as much about those candidates as it does about Brian Kemp. Kemp could probably have just about anybody come in and campaign for him. And this is the list of supporters that he's curating. These are the people who he, feel, he feels like he's on the same side with and who are going to do him, kind of give him the support that he's looking for. He doesn't need people going off into left field about the last election. He wants people really laser focused on conservative values, smaller government, lower taxes, and that's what these guys are going to deliver for him. They will at the same time bring out a Republican crowd. Mike Pence had a huge crowd when he came in for Kemp the night before the GOP primary, which people were Mm -hmm. not sure exactly what that result would look like. We just had gigantic, um, very enthusiastic, lots of state lawmakers in that crowd as well. So there was not a huge contingent of people holding out for only pro-Trump, heavy Trump candidates to come in. Brian Kemp and Mike Pence were able to turn out the Republican Party that they believe is the future. And that's what this uh, last stretch is going to be about for Kemp as well. Before we take a quick break, we here at Politically Georgia would love to know what you think of our podcast. Please click the link in today's episode description and answer a few questions so we'll know how to make this podcast even better. This is Politically Georgia from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Donald Trump has been indicted in Atlanta. We have so many court dockets to follow, but we haven't really seen anything yet. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution has covered every moment of this historic case. I've been writing about this investigation for two and a half years. Our team is led by reporters Bill Rankin and Tamar Hallerman. Follow our coverage on AJC.com and listen to new in-depth episodes of the award-winning podcast, Breakdown, The Trump Indictment, only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Hip-hop is a product of black people. It's a product of black song and celebration. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution presents Hip-hop's most pulled elements are pulled from the South. A Southern hip-hop store. We always go back to that moment of the Source Awards. Everybody wants a rhythm, but they don't want your blues. The biggest names in hip-hop. Atlanta is still the mecca for hip-hop. 50 years. No one can deny. One film. The power of the South now. The South got something to say. Streaming now at AJC.com slash hip-hop. And we're back to Politically Georgia from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I'm your host, Greg Bluestein, with your other host, Patricia Murphy. We're not only your two Politically Georgia podcast hosts, but we're also two of the three authors of the Morning Jolt newsletter, which sets the stakes and the agenda in Georgia politics. And you can get that newsletter in your inbox every single morning if you're a subscriber to the AJC. You can join the community right now by going to subscribe.ajc.com slash podcasts. And your first month of unlimited digital access is less than a dollar. That's 99 cents. That's subscribe.ajc.com slash podcasts. So you always know what's really going on. Okay, Patricia, we talked about the folks who are coming to the campaign trail. We've already talked extensively about how President Joe Biden is not coming to the campaign trail. Senator Warnock is keeping him at arm's length, even though Stacey Abrams has said even publicly that she's encouraged him to come. But one other figure who's not coming is former President Donald Trump. He's done a spate of campaign events. In the next few days, he's going to Iowa. He's going to Ohio. 
He's going to Florida. He's going to Pennsylvania. So it's not like he's keeping a very light schedule. But one place he's not going is Georgia. And of course, a couple big reasons for that. One is our AJC poll shows his approval is underwater. So he has more negative favorability than positive favorability. So he's still a polarizing figure. And that includes about 15% of Republicans. Another big reason is Governor Kemp. You know, a lot of the Republican incumbents don't necessarily welcome his arrival here in Georgia, given the fact that just a few months ago, he was openly campaigning to oust them and calling them all sorts of names. But I think the third biggest factor is Herschel Walker himself. We have not heard Herschel Walker, who was endorsed by Trump, who goes back literally decades, 40 years with Donald Trump. Um, Herschel Walker played on Donald Trump's USFL football team. So they have a long, long relationship. We haven't heard Herschel Walker advocate for the president coming down, the former president coming down. We haven't heard his allies saying he needs a final boost. So unless something dramatically changes, there will be no pre-election rally from Donald Trump coming down here. And one of the one of the things we've been told by several officials were essentially Walker's allies and others showed Donald Trump's advisors poll numbers that showed why he would hurt Herschel Walker and other Republicans more than he could help them. Yeah. And um, Herschel Walker remains very pro-Trump in the debate that he had against Raphael Warnock. He was asked, would you, should he run in 2024? Would you vote for him? He's like, yeah, of course I would vote for him. He's my friend. I mean, obviously I would vote for my friend. So he's not running from Donald Trump, but at this point, you know, the nationalization of this race that they need is focused on Washington. It is not focused on Mar-a-Lago. So he has had any number of very high profile U.S. senators come in. Lindsey Graham, Tim Scott, Ted Cruz have all come in and sat by his side to make the case that this is what Republicans can have in Washington. This is how Herschel Walker, electing Herschel Walker will, will change things. You don't need to be another vote for Donald Trump. You know, there's plenty of that, but they do need one more vote in the U.S. Senate. And so I think that's why they're really focusing their surrogate efforts on people who make that case and that case alone, because that is what is keeping him in this race. And even in some polls, slightly ahead of Raphael Warnock at this point, he is way underwater on just about every personal attribute you can think of among Georgia voters, honest and trustworthy, knows what he's talking about, ready for the job, all underwater. But he is still polling. He is still tied with Raphael Warnock and in some cases slightly ahead because of that U.S. Senate situation, the U.S. Senate seat that would flip from Democrat to Republican and really affect the future of the Biden administration. And Donald Trump does not need to help with that message. You know, that only takes them down some far off road that nobody knows where it leads. The U.S. senators know what they want. They want their committee chairmanships. They want to have say over any and all future judicial nominees, ambassadorial nominees, anything that Joe Biden's got coming. They want final approval of it. And Herschel Walker is a big piece of that. And it was so striking to me because after a primary campaign that if not dominated by Donald Trump, he was certainly an undercurrent throughout the entire campaign, right? David Perdue was doing everything he could to energize Trump supporters, to play into Donald Trump's election fraud lies and other other issues he thought would, would get the MAGA crowd out for him. Um, so in a, a primary campaign where Trump was, you know, the Trump influence was hard to miss. We, we are now in a situation where we just finished the final WSB debate between Governor Brian Kemp and Stacey Abrams that was aired on WSB this past Sunday. And Trump's name was not mentioned once at all. He was, uh, I don't even know if afterthought is the right word to describe it. 
Here's what Brian Kemp said after that debate. One of the few debates in the country where you did not hear President, former President Trump's name mentioned one time. What does that tell you? Well, I mean, I don't, I don't know why the moderators didn't get into that, but I've been focused on my record. You know, I'm not worried about what people from other states are, are doing or saying or anything else. I've tried to stay focused on what Georgians want, uh, stay focused on my record. But also last night I talked about my vision for the future. Patricia, that is what Governor Kemp said to our friend Chuck Williams over at WRBL in Columbus. But we've heard that a variation of that answer over and over again. Governor Kemp is not focused on what people in other states. He won't say he half the time. He most of the time he doesn't say Trump's name. He just says he's not focused on what other people are saying or doing. He's focused on his record here in Georgia. Yeah, and um, I to see that. Donald Trump was literally not a part of the conversation for a governor's debate in Georgia at the end of 2022, considering how 2022 began here in this state with David Perdue being the handpicked candidate against Brian Kemp. It was just striking. And the answer that Kemp gave saying, listen, I'm just focused on my race. That's the exact same answer he gave throughout the entire primary campaign. He has been so laser focused on this. He is one of the most disciplined candidates I've ever covered. And maybe it's because he is so loose in his demeanor or approach. It doesn't feel like a a scripted robot, but he's pretty much gives the same answer every single time when he's asked this. And not only is it, okay, I'm only running on my race, swoop, pivot. Now I'm talking about the economy. So it's whatever the answer is, I'm not focused on that. And now I'm talking about tax cuts, property tax cuts, what you can expect from me on the economy if you reelect me. So he's been very, very skilled at not falling down that rabbit hole with Donald Trump. And I think that's been a huge key to his success so far, at least through the primary. And then we'll see how it pans out for him in the general election. Well, elsewhere on the Republican ticket, there's a candidate who is not nearly as, as disciplined yes. when it comes Speaking to of his, rabbit holes. Yeah. <laughs> and that would be Herschel Walker, the Republican Senate hopeful, who has said a, a number of bizarre and blundering statements uh, on the campaign trail that we've talked about at length here on the show and in our coverage and other national media outlets have done as well. But we want to talk today about an issue that we, we talked about on our podcast last week um, that we've covered in our pages. But that is the second woman who has accused Herschel Walker of pressuring her to have an abortion despite his outright opposition to the procedure. Last week, that woman came forward as a Jane Doe in a press conference with Gloria Alred that was on Zoom and Facebook, and uh, it got a a lot of national attention. It also got a flat denial from Herschel Walker. Well, on Tuesday morning, she spoke to Good Morning America, she continues not to have her name uh, be released, so she is anonymous, but her face was displayed. Here's what she told ABC News. And he said that, he said that because of his wife's family and powerful people around him, that I would not be safe and that the child would not be safe. That's very menacing. It is very menacing. It is very menacing. That is the second woman who will still call Jane Doe because although you could hear her voice, she was still being kept anonymous. Talking about the aftermath of what she said was an unplanned pregnancy with, with Herschel Walker. And she accused 
the Republican Senate hopeful of pressuring her to get this abortion despite her, as you could hear, her, her emotional opposition to that procedure. Yeah, I don't know how much longer she can remain anonymous because she was on camera in that interview with Good Morning America. I mean, obviously, somebody's going to recognize her. So I think we can expect her identity to come out fairly soon. I I also don't think it really matters at this point. I don't even know that this second accusation really matters at this point, despite the more detail that we've gotten here from Good Morning America. Obviously, it's going to make headlines. Obviously, it's something that Good Morning America got a scoop on. So they're running with it. But it is just so crucial to go back into the details of that AJC poll. A majority of Georgia voters do not think Herschel Walker is honest and trustworthy. But he is still in this race. 39% say, do you do you think that this candidate is truthful? No. Raphael Warnock is up at 50%. All of these allegations are damaging his personal brand, but it's not changing the outcome of this race right now. A lot of that is because, again, of the, of the amount of power that accrues to this U.S. Senate seat and the fact that this could change control of the U.S. Senate. Do you want a Republican or do you want a Democrat? That's really what this is coming down to for a lot of people. And you and I have talked to tons of people out on the trail at Herschel Walker events who either don't believe the allegations and they're voting for him, or they do believe the allegations and it is not a deal breaker for them. It's not that they don't care. They don't love it. They would love for this not to be happening. But one man, I will just never forget. He, uh, we talked quite a bit about his own religious convictions and said, listen, we have two centers to choose from. I'm picking the center who is the closest to sort of my politics is basically what he said. Um, I think most people believe that candidates are imperfect people, as are we all. Some are more imperfect than others as far as the national campaign goes. Um, But these GOP voters right now are factoring that into the equation, but it's not the most important piece, and it's not what they're basing their vote on at this point. Yeah, we talked to a voter for our AJC poll story that ran on Monday who said he thinks Herschel Walker is a dumb jock. He said it's sad that he emerged as the party's nominee, but he's still voting for him for one reason. Quote, I prefer Herschel Walker over Warnock simply because I don't want Democratic control of the Senate. End quote. So that sums up uh, the position of not all Republicans by any means, and not, not maybe not even a majority of Republicans, but a significant um, section of Republicans who remain concerned about Herschel Walker's personal behavior. And one other thing we've seen in AJC polls and others is that these new accusations, which came out a few within the last, let's say, four or five weeks, haven't fundamentally changed any polling, at least. We don't know if they fundamentally changed the outcome because we don't know what the outcome will be. But we know in AJC polls from September to now, and we've had three of them from UGA in that span, Herschel Walker's numbers have remained mid-40s, and so have Senator Warnock. So they've all hovered around the mid-40s. Yeah, it's not, I I don't think that these allegations and his entire history, particularly of violence against his wife, it's not that I think it has no effect on this race, but I think he would be doing much better without these allegations. He would be up where Brian Kemp is. He could easily be up at 50% or higher without these allegations. But because of these, I think that's a big piece of what's keeping him, um, he and Warnock, in this really, really close race. Because of the way the national dynamic is playing out, that is a massive influencing factor, but it's not the only one. And you see that tension in that five 
point spread between Kemp and Walker is all of these allegations, everything about all of the statements he's made on the trail, all of the sort of head scratching moments. That's that 5%. Otherwise, Walker would be right up there with Raphael Warnock. I mean, I agree. (laughs) Walker would be right up there with Brian Kemp. I agree completely. I mean, people ask us all the time, why is Kemp ahead? Why is Chris Carr ahead? Why is Brad Raffensperger? Why is Burt Jones ahead, but Herschel Walker's the one struggling? And that's it, right? It's Well, it's twofold. It's one is, is Herschel Walker's own personal baggage, which we've, we've just elaborated upon. But the other is Senator Warnock, who is a standout candidate in his own, and he's running a very different campaign than other Democrats are running, including that sort of appeal to the middle. He is relentlessly, look, he has a liberal voting record. He has, he's voted with Biden, as Republicans like to point out, far more often than not, something like 96% of the time. But at the same time, he is making this relentless appeal to the middle, talking about work you know, across party lines, and that's having an effect too. So you've, when you've got both those factors working together, that accounts for the three or four points that could be the difference between an outright win for a Republican or a runoff in December. Well, that is all the time we have for our show today. Coming up on Friday's episode, we'll answer your questions from the listener mailbag, which you can now call into. It's the Politically Georgia podcast hotline. You can call anytime, leave a question. We'll play it back and answer your question right here on the podcast. The number is 770-810-5297. That's 770-810-5297. Well, thanks so much for listening to the Politically Georgia podcast. You can count on new episodes to come out every Wednesday, every Friday, or as you've definitely seen this week, whenever news breaks. We'll see you next time on Politically Georgia from the AJC. Our journalists at the Atlanta Journal-Constitution are working around the clock to keep you updated on all the developments surrounding the Trump indictment. Now the AJC is putting all of our coverage in one place with our new Trump 19 newsletter. Every Wednesday, you'll have our latest coverage and analysis on this historic case in your inbox. So sign up for free today at AJC.com slash indictment newsletter. That's all one word. AJC.com slash indictment newsletter. I'm Ernie Suggs, race and culture reporter for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And I'm Ned Ravone, lifestyle columnist. Atlanta has been known as the Black Mecca for so many years, but that means something different to everybody. It means everything to me. I've been living here for 24 years, and I am still amazed at how rich the city's Black culture continues to grow. Every day I wake up, I learn something new. Well, you all can learn something new by subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's new newsletter called Unapologetically ATL. It's all about the people, the events, and the entertainment happening in Metro Atlanta that Black people might want to know about. Like historically Black colleges and universities. Atlanta's thriving art scene. And the city's growing neighborhoods. Wherever you live, we want to hear from you. We want to hear what issues are important to you. So subscribe today at www.ajc.com slash unapologetically ATL. Only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Oh,